Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. You're listening to Prime Time on Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly with Shazad Haq. Now, Singapore's economy beat expectations to grow 7.2% in 2021. Yeah, absolutely right. The question is, though, is this sustainable? Fitch Solutions has maintained its 2022 real GDP forecast at 3.6%. That's right, reflecting the view for the economy to remain resilient amid the onset of the Omicron variant. We're joined on the line now by Darren Tay, Senior Country Risk Analyst at Fitch Solutions. He's got some interesting perspectives on where Singapore's economy is headed in the year ahead and what some of the issues may be that we need to keep an eye out for. Darren, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Good to have you back with us. So let's talk about Singapore's GDP. It surpassed expectations for the full year 2021, the fourth quarter as well. Tip to expand again coming into 2022. Do you think we could see another year of surpassed forecasts? Well, yes, I think it was indeed a huge outperformance in the last quarter. I mean, what with the huge spike in COVID cases that the country Mm. experienced in the fourth quarter. So I think that came as much of a surprise for many Singapore watchers. But yet at the same time, I think that is precisely why I say the economy has achieved a high level of resilience. I mean, even in the midst of this very worrying wave of infections that we've had during the fourth quarter, the economy is still, I think, by all indications, performed up to par. So I think there is every potential that the economy could actually go beyond that 5% upper bound that the government has forecast in terms of growth for 2022. But I think, as my forecast suggests, I'm currently taking a more conservative approach because I think, as we'll be discussing in just a few moments, there are quite a lot of downside risks affecting Singapore, mostly externally rather than domestic. So I think that reflects those risks. Well, you've kind of preempted that one, haven't you, a little bit there, Darren? But you're right. I mean, I, we do want to go a bit more into the Omicron situation because mm-hmm. that is obviously a cloud ahead of us and how concerned are you that uh, our health minister has already kind of said that wave is imminent and is that going to dampen expectations even more? Yes, I think that, I mean, not to sound too pessimistic, I think that's more or less inevitable at this point. But as I say in my piece, I think the Singapore economy is very well prepared against such an eventuality. We have already started to roll out booster doses for adults and we have started to vaccinate children under the age of 12. We've also mandated vaccinations for foreign workers and foreign talent working in Singapore. So I think as a whole, we are in very good state to weather the coming surge in cases as long as it's not too strong a surge as we've been seeing in other countries in the world such as South Korea, the UK and the US. So I think I'm not too concerned for the domestic situation That said, I think Omicron has the potential to derail the economic trajectories of the wider region and indeed of the global economy. And since Singapore, as we know, is a very small and open economy, Mm -hmm. there is, you know, potential for the growth outlook to be somewhat weighed on because of that. Darren, let's take a look at some of those external factors. In the report that you've issued today, you've said Mm -hmm. that the main downside risk to Singapore, as well as other Asian economies, is the possibility of a sharp slowdown in China's economy due to a confluence of four key downside risks, uh, which you've already been highlighting. One of the more pressing issues that you've highlighted over the coming months is how the situation at Evergrande Group, as well as the wider real estate sector in China, plays out. What impact do you think that might have on Singapore's economy and the market here? 
I think it's already had some impact in terms of property markets troubles causing a slowdown in China's economy. And China's economy, I think, very much dictates the pace at which the rest of the region is going to be able to grow at. So we're forecasting only 5.4% growth for China in 2022. And that's, I think, very much below the pre-pandemic average of about 6.3%. So I think that's already some of the impact that we've seen. The problem then, this poverty sector situation in China is not contained. Then growth in China might actually flow even below 5.4%. Then we're going to see some very painful adjustments for the rest of the region because China is, I think, by far the greatest demand center for many of the outputs that the region produces. Head back a little bit towards the, mm-hmm. the pandemic here. And how has that shaped or adjusted your outlook for the year ahead? I mean, it seems like a, a pretty obvious question in many ways, but how much of that has had an impact? On, on what you've on what you've written oh i think it's had a profound impact i mean now we know that the delta variant going on it's i think increasingly being superseded by the omicron variant just today there was news that french scientists have in fact discovered a new variant called the ihu variant currently that has 46 mutations compared to the original strain so that could throw up more risk going forward so i think some of the current impact that the pandemic already has, I think, is the ongoing you know, practical shutdown of tourism and travel. And I don't think that's going to end anytime soon, not in 2022. I mean, it's going to improve somewhat, but we shouldn't expect any kind of return to uh, pre-pandemic levels of tourism spending or travel being resumed. So that has, I think, knock-on impact for economies uh, in the region, not just Singapore. This might be you know, a rather big picture question, but any forecast for you when things could go back to pre-pandemic levels, recover? As in when, when say, travel or... Yeah, any of that. Travel, economy, any of it. Well, it would, <laughs> it's really a step, a step in the dark, I'm afraid. I mean, optimistically speaking, if there were to be... I mean, two years is entirely possible if, say, a variant were to emerge that is very transmissible, but at the same time, not at all as virulent as, say, the mm. Delta variant, in which case then becomes another endemic disease like the flu in the true sense of the word, Mm -hmm. where people don't have to worry too much about it spreading uh, because it poses little risk in terms of mortality and uh, serious illness. But until such a variant emerges, and I think there was some hope that Omicron would be that variant, but I think so far the evidence is is still, the jury is still out on that particular question. So, but I don't think it is, you know, in any way an impossibility that such a thing would emerge and then we would then perhaps steadily built back towards the pre-pandemic normal, especially where travel is concerned. But will that take two years or three or maybe even five? I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm competent to, to uh, comment on, on the evolution mm. of these viruses. <laughs> Darren, just, so just very quickly, you know, over the past two years, we've seen an unprecedented number of budgets rolled out here in Singapore mm-hmm. to steer us through the pandemic situation. And in just over a month, we're going to have budget 2022. What goodies will you be looking out for to steer the economy as we continue to recover from the pandemic? Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad mm-hmm. news. <laughs> oh dear. But I don't think we should be expecting too much by way of economic sweeteners in this year's budget. You're trying to manage um, our expectations, aren't you? I mean, I'm not hired by the ministry or anything, <laughs> but I think that's my honest view because our government is constitutionally barred from running a fiscal deficit over the course of its parliamentary term which means the government will have to make back the huge deficits that it has run in 2020 and 2021 by the next elections, which are due by August 
2025. And that's not a lot of time, to be honest. And as we've heard the Prime Minister say, the government is likely to make a move towards raising the goods and services tax. So I think, exactly. So I think they're looking at more of a fiscal consolidation effort this year rather than, you know, all out expansionary spending, as was the case in 2020 and 2021, in order to support the economy. And I think that would be justified policy given that the economy is likely to more or less come along uh, just about fine. And if you don't need to support the economy, then I don't think you should. Okay, Darren. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us this evening. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. We've, we've been speaking with Darren T, Senior Country Risk Analyst at Fitch Solutions. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.